It's three o'clock somewhere. Time for a My Mochi ice cream snack. My Mochi ice cream is cool, creamy scoops of premium ice cream wrapped in sweet, pillowy dough. And get this. All of My Mochi's fabulous flavors, like strawberry, mango, double chocolate, and cookies and cream, are only around 80 calories per piece. Talk about a guilt-free, indulgent experience. Each box of My Mochi ice cream has six perfectly portioned, gluten-free mochis that are great for grab-and-go. So feel good while curbing your afternoon cravings, or the midnight munchies, yeah, You know who you are with the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream. Find My Mochi ice cream at Target or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you. Thanksgiving flip-flop. How to tell your loved ones they're uninvited this year. And you tell them that you want to have many, many more Thanksgivings with them. And the good doctor actor hospitalized with COVID. (coughs) What his COVID-stricken wife is saying today. It's nothing I would wish on anyone. It's horrifying. Then Rudy Giuliani melts down. I don't know what you need to wake you up. The hair dye dripping down his face on national TV. Plus, what about the dogs? The hero cop who cherry rigged a ladder and rescued a terrified dog from the flames. We are so thankful to you. And the adorable Christmas tree stowaway. The owl found hiding in the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree. Then, justice at last. What this monster did to this woman 29 years ago. It was very, very overwhelming. Plus, what's next for Ivanka and Jared? They feel under siege. After the president's defeat, will they return to New York? Or will high society shun them? And the new Wonder Woman makes history to your TV set in time for Christmas. This is a little gift they're giving us. Plus... The COVID-19 patient, his moving thank you to the nurses and doctors who saved his life. Now, Inside Edition with Deborah Norville. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us. More warnings from health officials about Thanksgiving. With 50 million Americans expected to travel next week, the CDC is now saying stay away. It is bound to add more stress to a holiday that already has people inviting and then canceling on friends and family as they try to keep their gatherings as small as possible. Stephen Fabian with our report. It's a conversation taking place across the USA. Like so many millions of other Americans, Marion and I are having the really heartbreaking discussion with our parents, telling them why we can't do Thanksgiving in person. I had to tell my sister and my nephews, no, do not come over. It was one of the saddest things I've had to do in a long time. Garth Brooks told Good Morning America he has canceled his family's Thanksgiving. She's still going to cook for 20 people. It's just going to be me. And there will be just three people at Thanksgiving at President-elect Biden's house in Delaware. Himself, Dr. Jill, and just one guest. There are going to be three of us. Millions of families are making tough choices. And experts we spoke to say breaking the news to loved ones that they've been disinvited to Thanksgiving can be tricky and should be handled with tact. Focus on love. You talk about how much you love this person, your family, your friend, and you tell them that you want to have many, many more Thanksgivings with them. 
The state of Oregon has set a Thanksgiving limit of six people and threatens violators with 30 days in jail. The backlash from the White House is swift. But it's Orwellian in a place like Oregon to say, if you gather uh, in numbers more than six, we might come to your house and right. arrest you and you get 30 days of jail time. That's not the American way. Republican Congressman Jim Jordan tweeted, in Oregon, you can be jailed for having too many people over for Thanksgiving. But if you want to riot and loot in Portland, no sweat. Open our schools! Open our schools! And there's fury in New York today over the decision to close public schools while bars and gyms remain open. The closures were triggered by a 3% COVID-19 positivity rate in the city, but the rate in the schools is less than 1%. Our public schools are closed today. While nail salons are open, bars are open, charter schools are open. Mayor Bill de Blasio was hammered on CBS this morning. Your ears must be burning today. The parents are mad with you. The kids are upset. Your critics are calling, questioning your competency for the job. The number one job I have is to keep people safe. The COVID-19 death toll in America hit a quarter million this week. 73,000 people are hospitalized, and one of them is actor Richard Schiff, co-star of The Good Doctor. And it's nothing I would wish on anyone. His wife, Sheila Kelly, also has COVID, but is recovering at um, home. Are you still worried for him? I'm worried for all of us. We all are. Right now, there are more new coronavirus cases being reported daily than at any point during the pandemic. The president's attorney, Rudy Giuliani, held a press conference today. He continues to hold to that unfounded claim that there was massive voter fraud in the election. But there's a good chance that people had trouble focusing on what it was he was saying because of something black that was dripping down both sides of his face. Rudy Giuliani getting hot under the collar today. I don't know what you need to wake you up. He was sweating so much, his hair dye was running down his face. It was especially obvious when he turned to one side. Finally, he wiped the dye away. The president's top attorney held a press conference in D.C. to accuse Democrats of engaging in a coordinated scheme to steal the election. Meanwhile, the president continues staying out of sight. There's a huge crisis going on with COVID, and the president is MIA on that. His estranged niece, psychologist Mary Trump, is weighing in on his state of mind. He lost. Losing in my family was the worst possible thing you can do, and it was punished severely. So there is a lot of shame. She says Trump's shame at losing is why he canceled Thanksgiving at Mar-a-Lago. To show up in public, even in a friendly space like Mar-a-Lago, is to suffer the indignity of being around people who know he's lost and are going to try to soothe him or uh, comfort him in some way, which would be another way of feeling like a loser. So uh, he's going to stay in his bunker as long as he possibly can. Some diehard Trump supporters are still holding out hope that the election will be overturned. Communist China is trying to overthrow our country. Far-right conspiracy theorist Alex Jones led a march on Georgia's state capitol building. But what if Trump's biggest allies, Fox's Laura Ingram, may be signaling it's time to call it quits? How he leaves the presidency is very important. Her guest last night was conservative speechwriter Mark Thiessen, who seemed to be directing his remarks at the president. When Biden is finally declared the winner by the Electoral College, say you're stepping aside for the sake of the country. Don't concede that the election was necessarily fair or that it was legitimate. Then immediately announce that you're running in 2024 before the inauguration. Then give a farewell address. This will 
be a farewell address unlike anyone has ever done because it's going to be MacArthur-esque. It's going to be, I shall return. Now, intense body cam video of a police officer rushing to a burning home. In the end, it wasn't people who needed to be rescued, but a terrified dog trapped on a deck with no way to escape. Les Trent with details. A cop is about to literally leap into action when he realizes there's a dog trapped in a burning house. What about the dogs? There's the dog named Archie. He's up on that balcony 15 feet high. We got a ladder or something that we can get the dogs? Nope, no ladder. So what does the intrepid cop do? He notices some scaffolding along the side of the house. Here it is right here. He immediately climbs up to get to Archie. He gets to the top, but realizes he's not quite high enough. So what does he do then? He calls for a chair, puts it on, climbs up, I'm not gonna do that, and plucks Archie from the balcony. I'm gonna pass it down to you, all right, bro? Hello! And here's Archie today. He's a four-year-old cockapoo. His owner, Jillian Elbrogi, and her son, Elias, sent a big thank you to Patrolman Travis Soden when they spoke to him via Zoom today from their home in Atlantic Highlands, New Jersey. We are forever grateful. He's a big part of our family, so we are so thankful to you. You're very welcome. He smells great and clean now, so you're welcome to come see him anytime. We'll bring him down <laughs> to see you guys. <laughs> Good. Just wondering if you can just give us your reaction to, to what happened and the fact that Archie's here alive and well. It warms my heart knowing that the, uh, the, the dog's all doing good. And, uh, you know, that's just what we do every day. It was, it was just part of the job. A plucky cop and one very lucky dog. Indeed. Authorities say it was an electrical fire that started in the garage. The patrolman's going to be presented with an award for his courage. It's a big deal every year when that giant tree is moved to Rockefeller Center for Christmas. But this year's tree had a little stowaway. Here's Amber Cagliano. It's the annual holiday tradition. Transporting a giant Christmas tree to Rockefeller Center in New York City. But this year, the 75-foot Norway spruce came with quite a surprise. Hiding inside the branches, this adorable little owl. It was quite the remarkable three-day journey. The giant tree was cut down in Oneonta, New York, and transported 200 miles to Midtown Manhattan. The owl was only discovered as a worker was setting up the famous Rockefeller Christmas tree. He gently wrapped the owl in a blanket and took the creature to a local wildlife center where he was nursed back to health and fittingly named Rockefeller or Rocky for short. How is Rocky doing now? He's doing great. He's um, eating up a storm. He took a bath um, on his own. Here's the owl today looking happy and healthy. What's next for Rocky? Saturday, we will release him at around dusk. He'll be on his own once we open up that the crate. And while the owl is bringing some much-needed spirit to the upcoming holiday season, the tree itself isn't getting much love. The 11-ton spruce looked magnificent when it was cut down, but upon arrival at Rockefeller Center after the long trek, it definitely looked worse for wear. The woebegone tree is now seen as the perfect metaphor for this miserable year. In true 2020 form, the tree looks like it tried to cut its own hair. It's like another Charlie Brown tree. A spokesperson for Rockefeller Center says they promise that the sad looking tree, it's only going to be temporary when the branches settle and they get the lights up. They promise it's going to be beautiful. 
Now a very serious story. This man is compared to the notorious Golden State Killer, a man convicted in a string of rapes. He was captured to D thanks to DNA evidence. And now a woman who survived an attack nearly 30 years ago is speaking with Inside Edition about finally seeing justice. The face of a monster, Roy Charles Waller, known as the NorCal Rapist, terrorized women over a span of 15 years in Northern California. Now a jury has convicted the 60-year-old Waller of raping nine women. Prosecutors say the serial rapist would learn a victim's name, study their daily routines, break into the women's homes late at night, and often tie them up for hours with their eyes taped shut. Police say that's him wearing a mask, using a victim's ATM card. Nicole Ernest Pate is his first known victim. She testified against him at his trial, and now she's speaking to Inside Edition about his conviction. Hearing guilty, it was very, very overwhelming. I've waited 29 years to hear those words. Nicole was 21 years old when the madman broke into her home in 1991, put a gun to her head, and attacked her. I was a victim of very violent crime. Waller's capture is being compared to that of the Golden State Killer, who committed 13 murders and 50 rapes in Northern California. Waller worked at the University of California in Berkeley as, of all things, a safety specialist. He was arrested using the same public genealogy website, GEDmatch, as the one used to nab the Golden State Killer. Now one more monster is behind bars. The amount of pain and suffering and, and carnage that this person has um, created for so many people is sort of shocking. Waller will be sentenced on December 18th. The woman we interviewed says she will be there, and she looks forward to delivering her victim impact statement in court. Music is often called the universal language, and this moment of a man playing his violin while battling COVID-19 is sending a message loud and clear. This patient stricken with COVID-19 is delivering a special thank you to the doctors and nurses who saved his life. He's in his room at the ICU, playing the Tennessee Waltz on his violin, all as he's attached to a ventilator that's keeping him alive. Nurse Sierra Sassy says she was moved beyond words. It was just so touching, and it's just such a beautiful thing to be a part of. The patient, Grover Wilhelmson, is a 70-year-old retired junior high orchestra teacher. He'd been a patient for a month at McKay D. Hospital in Utah when he gave a handwritten note to his nurse. You know, I really want to play here at the hospital. What do you think about my wife bringing my violin? We were able to put together a, a little process um, that allowed his wife to bring in those instruments for him and um, allowed us to make sure that we kept it as safe and clean as possible. Summoning all his strength, Wilhelmson picked up his violin and started playing as the ICU doctors and nurses gathered outside his room. It brought tremendous joy to everyone to be able to see something as amazing as this. Uh, you know, a, a patient who's critically ill, um, intubated, and still able to, to successfully um, play an instrument. Um, that's incredible. The Tennessee Waltz was a huge hit for Patti Page back in 1950. I Now, 
unable to speak, this brave man who won't give up is using music to say thank you for saving my life. And we are happy to report that Mr. Wilhelmson has been moved to an acute care facility. They are now weaning him off the ventilator, and his wife hopes that he'll be home by Christmas. Next, what's next for Ivanka and Jared? They feel under siege. After the president's defeat, will they return to New York, or will high society shun them? And the new Wonder Woman makes history to your TV set in time for Christmas. This is a little gift they're giving us. Inside Edition with Deborah Norville will be right back. With the Trump administration coming to a close, it's time to figure out what's next for those who serve the president. And when it comes to answering that question, for presidential advisors and family members, Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump, well, it's complicated. As a New York City power couple, Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner were a red carpet fixture, attending the most exclusive A-list parties in town. But now after four years in Washington, will Javanka be welcomed back into New York society? Or will they be put on a Big Apple blacklist? Our Corey Hay is a New York publicist who has known Ivanka for many years. Ivanka and Jared will not be ostracized. They already have a close circle of friends who will welcome them back. Ivanka was recently spotted back in New York at her $4 million Park Avenue apartment, apparently getting ready for her family's return. She was also reportedly looking at commercial property and there's speculation that she's setting up an office for her life after the White House. Ivanka and Jared both worked high up in her father's administration. So will their liberal New York neighbors forgive them for their role in the administration? Headlines suggest it will not be a warm welcome back. Look, there may be people that say, oh, I don't want to have tea with Ivanka or I don't want to invite Ivanka to the house for dinner. But there are going to be an equal number of people that will welcome Ivanka and Jared back into New York society. Ivanka has been in the spotlight in New York since she was a teenage model. Hi, Inside Edition. It's Ivanka and welcome to Fashion Week in New York. One of Ivanka's closest New York pals used to be former first daughter Chelsea Clinton. But listen to what she recently told Bravo's Andy Cohen. I mean, I've not spoken to her since uh, 2016. Um, and, you know, Andy, I have no uh, interest in being friends with someone who is not only complicit, but actively taking part in this administration's like every day, collision of cruelty uh, and incompetence. So if they do return home to New York, we'll just have to see who rolls out the welcome wagon. And when we come back, how Wonder Woman will be coming to your living room this Christmas. The studio behind the new Wonder Woman movie was hoping against hope to attract big crowds at the theater. Well, that's not possible thanks to COVID, but Jim Murray says they've got a plan B. It's a Christmas gift to America, Wonder Woman 1984. The eagerly awaited movie is being released on Christmas Day, and for the first time ever, it will stream on HBO Max and open in movie theaters around the country 
on the same day. It is the first time a movie of this size and stature has done so, had a simultaneous release. Um, certainly in the world of superhero movies, this is the biggest superhero movie to ever debut at home. The follow-up to 2017's giant hit was expected to lasso in a billion dollars had it opened in the traditional way on the big screen. But the pandemic put a wrench in that. Now it's expected to make history as the biggest streaming debut ever. This is a little gift they're giving us, that it's going to be hopefully joyful, something people can watch together as families with their kids. The film, which stars Gal Gadot and Chris Pine, will play on HBO Max for a month without any extra fee. Pretty wonderful. After that month on HBO Max, the Wonder Woman sequel will be showing in theaters only. When we come back, a really big tip. Finally today with restaurants and their workers struggling. It's nice to see a moment like this. This waitress is in for a big surprise. The folks at the table tell her her tip is under one of the cups. Pick it up. But there's more and more and more. And more, $1,000. Merry Christmas. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's amazing. And that is Inside Edition for today. I'm Deborah Norville. Thank you for watching. Stay safe. And we'll see you again next time. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to Inside Edition ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Are you ready for an all-new season of Survivor? You better be because Survivor 46 is here and it's 90 minutes of twists and turns you don't want to miss. Better yet, after each episode, there's a brand new episode of On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. Each week, we go behind the scenes of the episode's biggest moments, taking you into the how and the why things happened. And this season, we're very lucky to be joined by an expert, the winner of Survivor 45, Diva Darce. What is up? I'm thrilled to be joining this team and to be giving you my take on how and the why players made the moves they did, what it takes to outwit, outplay, and outlast, and to ask Jeff some questions because... Even after 26 days out there, there is still a lot for me to uncover. Bring it, D. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. Okay. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Van Sant from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, starting May 8th, wherever you get your podcasts.